Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. And that's why we're here to talk about The Mandalorian on Disney+. Plus. My name is Dan Morin. And as I said, this is the show where we recap episodes of The Mandalorian. And I'm joined by a wonderful guest to talk about this past week's episode. And in this case, I'm joined by two wonderful guests. I have dragooned some of my very best and very longest friends to join me on this episode. So I'd like to welcome to the podcast Jason Tachi and Genevieve Tachi. Hi, guys. How are you doing? We're okay. <laughs> you have to think about it, though. I understand. Extremely cautious about making sure I don't talk over my wife. That's how. <laughs> it's, it's, it's 2020, so I also know you take a second. You need to think and process about like how exactly are, is this going, really? Uh, well, uh, so both of you, I have known both of you for a long time. Jason and I go back more years than I really want to count. Uh, although I think I just, I pegged it at 30 a second ago, but I think it's a little under that. Uh, close though. Close. And Jen, I've known for coming up on 20, probably. We can't be right? that old. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it either, but that's just, that's the way it is, I guess. Uh, Anyways, I'm delighted to have you both with me to talk about this week's episode. But before we dive into that, I just wanted to give you both a, a, an opportunity to talk about the show as a whole in general and just like what you like about it, uh, what you uh, keep coming back for, what's really uh, entertained you or or what have you. Uh, Jen, let's start with you. Oh, man, I'd have way better answers if I'd slept last night. So, <laughs> Because the first thing that comes to mind is like the soundtrack. Do I come back for the soundtrack and then it's a really short show? Maybe. I'm not sure. It's a good answer, though. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I like that it's both episodic and kind of a seasoned plot. Um, that each story is really self-contained and tight. I feel like a lot of TV these days kind of spirals out. Um, you know, and space is cool because I don't have to go and I can witness it firsthand. That's why <laughs> I'm afraid of space. <laughs> That's right. You don't have to go to space. That's right. No one's making you. No. Jay, what about you? Um, she she stole some of mine. Actually, <laughs> was um, it also space? Uh I mean, I do. Lo I love space. I love that it's basically like a western and also sometimes like a samurai show. It really feels like it's getting back to like Star Wars's roots it's it's like it's, it's it's initial inspirations like it feels like the most recognizably star wars thing to me uh, mm, since mm -hmm. since the original trilogy um but like also the fact that it comes in like a 30 minute segment like i can't overstate how big of a deal that is for parents <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that like like we're, we're caught up on it because it's always like well, we might as well watch The Mandalorian. We can actually fit it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I, I actually really like that aspect that they make the episodes. It always feels like just as long as they need to be and not like it doesn't need to fill a certain time block, right? Yes. And I love that it's very predictable, but in a very satisfying way. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not a show that necessarily tries to like shock you. At a mm. lot of points, although I will argue there is one uh, scene in this episode this week, which we'll talk about a little bit later, which I thought was like shocking and like foreshadowed and stuff like that, but still kind of had a, a shocking effect for me. Yeah, same. Um, yeah, no, I, I like that because I would say you guys both from my, you know, my uh, long time knowing you, I think you both enjoy Star Wars, but I would not classify either of you as like rabid Star Wars fans. 
he is the much bigger um he's got a much broader star wars knowledge base and as we watch the show like he'll chuckle about something and i'll be like am i supposed to know some nerd stuff here <laughs> and he'll and he'll say like well in the pre in the prequels and i'll say the prequels didn't exist so <laughs> so this like um, I certainly enjoy Star Wars, but also there's parts of it that like, eh, eh, eh. it's, I mean, yeah, for me, sure, it's, a, sure. it's a really fun story, um, but I'm not as well versed as I would say 70% of friends. <laughs> <laughs> you have a very Star Wars heavy friend base, I feel like. Yeah, and it spills over into like my other professional nerd areas too. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. I'm texting with another mom who studies, you know, liverworts. So very, very technical person. She's like, oh yeah, no, you're, no, this is, this is what we're talking about. And you just don't know anything. <laughs> she corrected. There was, it was like, what was it last week when we were like doom bots or whatever? I don't know. <laughs> she, she was like, they're sentinels. And I was like, who's the nerd now? <laughs> so that's always a fun position to be in. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, Cool. Well, anything else you want to add, or should we dive into this week's episode? I'll take that as a no. We'll dive in. All right, let's dive into this week's episode. So this is Chapter 15, The Believer, which I thought was a really interesting. A lot of the, the, the chapter titles this season have been like, okay, yeah. Like, I, I can see where this is going. Like, last week's, like, the tragedy. It's like, all right, something bad's going to happen, right? <laughs> Surprise. Whereas this week's, I was like, oh, I, don't really know, I don't really know where we're going with this. Mm-hmm. Um, so we open in the, uh, as the intro recap reminds us, the Carthon chop fields where a bunch of TIE fighters are getting disassembled. Uh, I like that they both have, like, machinery for this, right? Like, these kind of, like, crane things, but also just people standing down there with, like, welding things just like taking them apart um and we we once again encounter mayfeld who we uh met last season during the prison break episode he is taking apart a tie fighter uh when there is a droid that comes over and accosts him and and one little detail i caught on my rewatch here which i enjoyed was that the droid tries to talk to him and that he doesn't hear it so the droid has to like essentially like raise its voice in order to get heard which i thought was like a weird concept for a robot it, like it kind of just turns up the volume though which i thought was funny he was um, willfully ignoring it it's not that he didn't hear it it's mm, a good point any good parent point. can tell you that that was willful. <laughs> i like this, this this is a different viewpoint than i often have on the show and i enjoy it <laughs> um so we see Cara Dune appears. She is remanding Mayfell to her custody. He is a little uh, discombobulated by this and kind of keeps getting upset about it, including like demanding to, you know, be told where he is taken. And I enjoy his bits about like, I mean, it's just common courtesy. You just tell somebody where you're taking them. Um, and I enjoy the, so this is Bill Burr, who's a comedian and he's from Boston, which has led to a lot of jokes about, uh, I guess Boston exists in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> um they encounter Fett and Fennec, who are uh, you know, waiting with Slave One, and um, Mayfeld freaks out for a second when he sees Boba Fett in his nicely cleaned-up armor, which I think I actually thought looked a little more badass when it was all dented and dinged and everything. Same. It was, like, like really clean. It was like, yeah, time was... to put a new coat of paint on it. Exactly. Like, it was clean very enough that all three of us noticed it, and we're like, mm, come on. Yeah, you, you, yeah, <laughs> you, got, you got better time. But I guess he's been waiting to have it for a while. Uh, and Mayfeld takes, like, a deep breath. Oh, for a second, I thought you were the other guy. <laughs> and then, of course, Mando shows up, and he's very nervous about it and thinks that they're there to kill him. 
Um, but Cara Dune explains she's bent a lot of rules because he's imperial. And he seems a little defensive about that, which is our first sort of inkling of where this might be going. And says, like, oh, that was a long time ago. But they point out that he knows his imperial uh, clearances and protocols. Um, and they sort of take him off to the mission. And um, the title... It's amazing that no one has assassinated him yet or, <laughs> or used him for something else. Like, either you need to get at old Imperial stuff and he should have been like used from the get go and not scrapping ships or like the empire should have like had like auto explodes in people's heads. Cause they were awful. That's and true. Anyone who can, so to me, it seems like a big, like, let's just drop this here to make life easy. At it's least also weird. Go ahead. Up, I was going to say, at least switch up the codes and protocols after the first couple <laughs> death stars get blown up. <laughs> yeah. It does seem like those codes last a super long time. Uh, I thought it was interesting also because it positions him as somebody who is like kind of important, but also clearly not that important. Like he mm-hmm. was pretty far down the ladder. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I agree that like the security protocols suggest maybe you're not really running a tight ship. Um, one thing I like is that, which I've mentioned before, is that every week, even though they have the same theme song, it's always a little different. And this week's is, I think, the most different that we've heard yet. It's almost like a totally different symphonic theme happening. But I really liked it. It just was... It's, I'm always fascinated by how he changes up the music every week. Um, so we, we get a fun scene inside Slave One, uh, which we kind of see how it is works. Is that the name of the got ship? Like, yeah, that's the name of the ship. Okay, can we just call it Boba Fett's ship or, or are the nerds going to be mad at me? No, that's fine. We can call Boba no, Fett. Or maybe I'll remember now. I'll try to remember. I had no uh, idea. Did they ever called it that? Like, where did it's we, not in where the, did we know not... this name from, Dan? Uh, probably book? some books. Yeah, yeah. no. <laughs> probably, you know, books. No, I read Nerds. books, not those books. Yeah. That's probably fine. Uh, what I like about it is they make it a, a game attempt here to explain how this ship works because it's never made like any sense at all. Because <laughs> it lands on its back, but then when it's in flight... It kind of like turns and I guess like everything is supposed to pivot inside, which makes zero sense. <laughs> like somebody somewhere thought this is cool and never thought about the practicalities of how such a ship would work. I mean, one, in space, it doesn't matter. Two, I'm really glad they only left that scene for a minute because I was like, if they do this any longer, I'm going to throw up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're looking uh, for the coordinates to Moff Gideon's cruiser and Mayfeld at first is like, nope, just take me back. I don't want any part of this. Uh, and then uh, Kara points out that they have his kid, to which Mayfeld responds, the little green guy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, the little green guy. Uh, Mayfeld, I, I think, makes an, a good point here, which is asking, what's in it for him? Uh, like, are they going to take him, like, let him go afterwards? And they're like, no, nah, you just get, like, some some scenery, basically, for a few days. <laughs> and he's like, well, I guess that's good enough. Uh, he needs an internal Imperial terminal and suggests there's one on the planet Morak, which apparently has a secret Imperial mining hub where they appear to be mining something called Rhydonium, which is highly vol- volatile and explosive, which seems like two separate words for the same thing. <laughs> but, okay. Um, not all so, explosive things are that you can be explosive and stable and not volatile I guess right? I guess I would lead with explosive and then say and volatile like volatile by itself seems like okay sure well but I think then the volatile is like describing the explosive like what kind of sc- explosive is it it's a stable explosive versus a volatile explosive right. this is I a mean, little yeah. bit like organic chemistry we should move on <laughs> <laughs> sorry <laughs> no that's fine I, I, I forgot your, your expertise in explosives <laughs> 
should have remembered that. Yeah. Uh, there's plenty of security at this place, so they decide that they're going to go in quiet. Um, we see essentially that they have these transports that drive with the Rhydonia in them, in them, uh, in this very nice, lush, not quite jungle world, but very arboreal world. Um, and we get run into our first snag, which is they need two people to go in. And, uh, although Mayfeld is obviously going to be one of them, Cara Dune can't do it because the bases basically are run by ex Imperial spies and they scan their genetics. Sure, that's a thing you can do. Um, and she's going to pop up because she's in the New Republic. Um, they can't send in Fennec because she's wanted by the security forces. And in my favorite line of the week, Boba Fett points out, let's just say they might recognize my face, which I enjoyed because, of course, he's the face of all the clones as well that they had. And so they might they might literally recognize his face. That was the one time in this episode that I got to explain an in-joke. <laughs> I was like, I'm supposed to know what this means, aren't I? So we've been we've been rewatching. Uh, I've been rewatching Clone Wars, and Cat, my wife, has been watching it for the first time, and so she has gotten to experience all the fun with the clones in that show, which is very fun because they're really really good. Weirdly, out of two mo- like two movies that are terrible that deal with the clones, the animated show is excellent. Um, so uh, Short Straw goes to Mandalorian, uh, and obviously there's going to be some problems with him wearing his armor. But he notices that the people driving these tra- these transports are in themselves in armor. So he realizes, ah, I can just put on a different suit of armor. Uh, so they hop down on the roof of the of the transport as enters the tunnel. And Cara Dune takes out both the drivers. And the Mando and Mayfield get dressed in their armor. Uh, and everybody's enjoying Mandalorian wearing Stormtrooper armor, um, which does not look particularly great on him. <laughs> uh, but he gives his own armor to Cara Dune. And uh, we get a kind of an interesting series of incidents where Mayfeld kind of tries to talk to him a lot. You get the idea that Mayfeld's just one of those guys, like, who will never quite shut up. I mean, also, he was on a planet with other, like, prisoners scrapping mm, stuff for how long? It's probably not big on conversation over there, I guess. No, and Bostonians are chatty, so. (laughs) That's true. That's true. (laughs) He tries to convince him to take his helmet off a lot, which I enjoy. Um and it's not really happening. The Mandalorian's not having it. Um, they drive past a lot of these blown-up transports, uh, which seems to be our first sort of uh, presentiment that something bad may happen. Um, and they hear, we have our little uh, Chekhov's gun here as they hear someone on the radio talking to one of the other transports about them running hot, suggesting that maybe that's not a great thing. Um and we get sort of a scene here where they drive through this village and get the the stink eye from the people who live there. And uh, this is sort of this interesting thread that we get picked up here with Mayfeld, where he talks about, you know, Empire, New Republic, it's all the same. We're just invaders, essentially. Uh, and it's I thought it was interestingly philosophical for this character, who we don't know a lot about going into this episode, right? Because our, our, the time we met him, like last season, he was basically a, like a thug doing a job. Um, and now he seems to have, uh, you know, a little more time to be philosophical about this stuff. Um, he, he espouses the idea that, you know, wherever you go in the galaxy, someone's ruling, other people are being ruled. And he talks about like, you know, the people who died in the wars fought by the Mandalorians, whether they had a choice and how is that any difference in the empire? Uh, I just, I thought this was really interesting because overall the arc with this season and the Mandalorian seems to be a lot about, you know, essentially having him question his faith in a variety of different ways. Like we saw him with Cobb Vanth, both back on Tatooine, 
where he realized, you know, he wasn't a Mandalorian. He had stolen Boba Fett's armor, but he didn't end up having to kill him for that. And then meeting the other Mandalorians who were perfectly fine taking their helmets off. And he's like, oh, maybe I'm the weird one. (laughs) So I've kind of enjoyed this bit with him being you know, increasingly questioning uh, or presented with these challenges to the things that he believes, which I guess wraps back into the title of the episode a little bit. That's true. I did. I personally found it interesting that um, Mayfield's take was like, well, there has to be a colonialist imperial Mm -hmm. rule that crushes everyone. And we obviously can't do something more encompassing. And it just kind of feels, um, it felt extra poignant in today's current atmosphere in society where the idea that um, everything needs to be from a colonialist and top-down viewpoint. <laughs> it's just like, yep, okay, that was a good nod to that. Mm-hmm. It also feels like, you know, I mean, that seems like a philosophy that really makes sense if you don't want to feel guilty about being a space Nazi. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's true. I mean, and I think there's an argument that he he clearly does have some guilt and feelings of remorse about mm-hmm. possibly what he was involved in, right? Like, some of it, like you said, some of it's like this it definitely smacks of a rationalization of like, look, it's just the it's the way of the world, right? Like you're either getting stepped on or you're the one doing the stepping. Um, and he has the point that like, yeah, if you were born on Mandalore, you believe one thing. If you were born on Alderaan, you believe something else. But neither of them exist anymore, so it doesn't really matter. And we're just survivors. Um, so yeah, I, I I agree. I think that there is definitely a, a an angle to that that suggests like. Maybe he doesn't entirely believe this, but it's, you know, kind of, like he says, you, you kind of just got to find a way to sleep at night. Um, and I liked his point that, like, what's interesting is the rules start to change when you get desperate. Like, he, he questions, like, can you, is it you can't take off your helmet or you can't show your face because there's a difference. Um. About this time, we start running into more challenges. There's mentions of interference on the route. Uh, they're talking to one of the other transports. It gets cut off, cut off, and then there's an explosion on the horizon, and <laughs> Juggernaut 4 has been destroyed. Proceed with caution. Um, another one of them gets destroyed, and then we get the skiffs arrive with pirates, and Mandalorian has to go and take them out. I mean, do you um, think they were pirates, or do you think I, that they were like actually yeah. the native inhabitants of the planet really mad because they weren't trying to steal the stuff they were trying to blow it up i totally agree with you and i thought that's where it was gonna go i thought they were gonna like turn out that like after he like dispatched of all of them they were gonna start to figure that out which i thought was because you're totally right that struck me as well it's like they're not here to steal anything they're just gonna blow it up there's no profit in that right if you're a pirate you're trying to make a buck and that seems like in this case you're just sort of destroying things. and it's not so, like they were going to put all that stuff on their tiny little like souped up skateboard vehicles right right and like they couldn't like... take a load with them right and it's not like thermal detonators are free right so yeah that's right that's right they don't just give them away um yeah i thought that was interesting because I, I really expected them to go more into that and they didn't hear i maybe maybe they'll loop back at some point but it's uh, it, even an episode yeah Right. right it's you don't have enough time for that that's true yeah it kind of made um, me think wonder if it was just like well they need a pretense for there to be a an action scene here and they're yeah. not really gonna think through it but who knows yeah i i don't know yeah I, I agree though it was a little odd um this is a fun action sequence though because we get these skiffs and them jumping on board uh and the mandalorian uh, personal favorite like 
you get to watch him fight and he tries to do all the things that he normally does and it doesn't work because he's not wearing his armor. So like there's a scene where he tries to block with his arm as somebody swings like a, you know, a, a club at him basically. And it just shatters his armor <laughs> instead of like, you know, the best car, which is basically indestructible apparently. Um, so that was a lot of fun to watch him deal with that. He gets hit a couple times um, and he has to sort of make do because his, his gun runs out of ammo. He tries throwing it at a guy. Uh, and then at one point he like javelins a guy off the back. And every time it seems like he's, you know, managed to sort of clear them out, another skiff appears with more with more people. Uh, and at the same time, you know, he's tried to get Mayfeld to speed up, but then Mayfeld has to slow down or the Rhydonium's going to blow up, which is very, I don't know, speed or possibly, uh, I think of this, there's a movie called, uh, I think it's called Wages of Fear which is like the guys transporting nitroglycerin in, I want to say somewhere in Latin America over like the really bumpy roads, uh, classic sort of suspense flick. Um, so uh, they get one of the compartments open and they plant a detonator and the Mandalorian manages to throw them off and get the detonator like back at them to blow them up beforehand. Unfortunately, there's a bunch more skips and they come up to a bridge and they can't cross at a high speed. So they have to slow down. There's another nice moment. Again, I always enjoy the Mandalorian, like Pedro Pascal or whoever happens to be in the armor at that point, doing very physical acting bits, right? Because the Mandalorian doesn't talk a lot. So there's a scene where like they're they're coming up and he realizes I have to fight like 12 more of these guys. And he kind of sighs and then like, you know, sets himself. And we think it's going to be, prob- uh, you know, be a, a real ordeal. And then the TIE fighters appear and essentially blow all of the pirates up. And... It's an interesting moment again because it casts the bad guys in the heroic role in this, like from the perspective of our characters, right? They're like cheering and happy because they're not going to get blown up, but it's they're cheering for the Empire. Yeah, for a split second, I felt like I've never been so sympathetic of stormtroopers. Not not just for a split second, but for the whole scene leading up to it where he's getting the crap beat out of him and his armor's breaking and his gun's jamming. And it's just like, this is why these poor bastards can't hit the broadside of a barn. It's because their, their entire government is based around, well, let's go for quantity over quality. <laughs> <laughs> There's a real economic issue there, I think. Like, people talk about that a lot. Like, what is the Stormtrooper armor good for? Like, last week we saw Boba Fett, like, beat up a whole bunch of guys and break a bunch of the armor. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's clearly not meant for hand-to-hand combat. Doesn't seem to stop you much if you get shot with it. (laughs) Like, it's basically, like, a cheap uniform, really. Yep. It is, and it's it's meant to make them totally disposable right they Mm -hmm. have no faces Mm -hmm. they have no personalities they have no real clear ranks right yeah i mean maybe you know about real ranks but like to the lay person they have no real ranks they're basically just disposable and that's how they're treated so i actually felt like that was a clear indicator of this and i still didn't have sympathy for them because they were basically terrorizing a planet and the whole fight scene actually frustrated me because while i enjoy the physical acting and i thought that was done very well the whole time i was like these people have no armor. They've got like spears and a few explosives, you know, they saved up because they're trying to save their world from this pillaging and destruction. So the whole time I was saying like, you guys better fix this. Like this mm-hmm. episode better end with you fixing this or else this is you destroying a whole bunch of people that were actually doing good, trying to destroy this Imperial base that normally you would come in and mess with. And you mm-hmm. murdered all these people to do it. Yeah. So no, it's a good, it's a good point. It's, it's definitely, <laughs> 
<laughs> I know, it definitely makes you question. No, like, I think there I'm is a, a moral question there. Scene, but this time I was just like, not as, I mean, I thought it was very well executed and I really enjoy, I don't know who's always in the suit, but like the physical acting within the suit is fabulous, but I just felt tense the whole time. Not mm. like, Ooh, it's a tense fight scene, but like the morality of the whole thing, I think was really complex this episode. And I appreciated that. Yeah. Yeah. I, were, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Were the pirates a completely different species from the people that we see in the village they roll through? Yes. They do look different. Yeah. We, we, the people in the village look more human for lack of a better word. Um, uh, so, but unclear, I mean, these, these quote unquote pirates might be a different species that lives on the same planet. Like it, yeah. it isn't really, it isn't really explained and it's hard to tell if that is an intentional choice or you know, an expedient choice huh. in terms of like, like you said, we just need a threat for them to fight off or whether there was intended to be more of a question here as to who these people actually are. I don't think we get a satisfactory answer to that. Um, I hope it's not just one of those things like, we'll we'll dress these people up in this funny makeup so that you'll think of them as the other and not like you. Like, Yeah. Yeah, I feel like they tend to usually be a little more savvy about that in this show. But, yeah, it's hard to say. Um, so they arrive at the base as they, you know, and they drive through this very, again, very uncomfortable gauntlet of all the troopers saluting them. And Mayfeld says, I never thought you'd be happy to see stormtroopers. And when they get out, like, it's also interesting because this is the most human, again, for lack of a better word, that we see stormtroopers being. Like, everybody's, like, clapping and, like, patting them on the back and stuff. And, like, usually we are used to seeing stormtroopers as, like, faceless hordes, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're attacking people or they're standing in formation um, or occasionally one or two of them get a word off as they're, like, interrogating somebody. But, like, at this point, they seem more like, you know, the the people... They seem more like people, really. And it's it's weird, right? I think, and deliberately meant to make you uncomfortable. <laughs> um, so they sort of work their way through the crowd uh, and they determine the terminals probably in the officer's mess. Uh, Mayfield uh, like peeks in and finds it and he's about to go in when he recognizes an officer in the mess, uh, somebody named Valen Hess, who he used to serve under. And he's like, well, I was pretty low ranked. I was just a field operative, but he might recognize me. We should just, we have to abort this entire mission. That that whole thing was so bizarre because he's in there without a helmet on and he hasn't been part of this crew. And like, nobody's like, who the hell are you driving this thing? Mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so no, nobody recognizes that he doesn't belong. But it also seems like perhaps they go through a lot of drivers because <laughs> a lot of people have gotten blown up. So maybe they, maybe they get a lot of new people in. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. It, 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 nobody points that out, but also it, it's also unclear. Like, how much time do these people spend with their helmets off? Maybe they just don't know what people look like, right? Like, because as we see in a minute, like they clearly don't recognize everybody. Um, the Mandalorian decides, like, hey, we can't abort. Like, this is too important. We gotta. I, this is my only chance, essentially, to find Moff Gideon's ship. And Mayfeld tells him, "Well, the problem is the terminal has to scan your face." And so there's some debate about this because you know, Mandalorians helmets kind of a thing um but in the end the mandalorian takes the code key and he goes in and at first you know he makes that game attempt right when you're like maybe i can guess the password <laughs> like it's like oh man what if i just leave the helmet on like how good is this computer uh doesn't go well and eventually uh it's about to shut down and he decides like i've got to go for it so he takes off his helmet <laughs> which is only the second time in the entire show that we have seen his face 
And I thought I, this is the moment I alluded to earlier that I thought was shocking. Like it is, it is well foreshadowed, right? Like at this point, we kind of get like there's not going to be another way around this. Mm-hmm. And they've been talking about his helmet all episode, but I was not convinced that he would take it off. Mm-hmm. And I thought I, it's, it's great. I love it because it comes down to again, like his whole he has to choose. Right. And I've said, uh, like, since the first season, I'm like, it's going to come to him. Like, he can either save the kid or take the helmet off. Right. Like, those are going to be the choices. He's in order to do it. He's going to have to take the helmet off. And I, I, I gasped a little bit at it, even though I knew what he looks like underneath it. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, as a parent, like, he's not a parent, obviously, but it was very clear, like, you you don't you don't get to have a life anymore, right? You don't get to make choices for what your own wants are, like your own ideals don't even matter. Like nothing matters. Like you just have to do whatever it takes, and hopefully don't destroy your soul in the meantime. And that's what he's doing. So good job, you're actually a dad now. Um, <laughs> Jason might be less pessimistic about the whole thing. Um, he got a lot more sleep than I did those early years. So. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, and last night too. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I I reacted the same way when you said you were shocked. I knew exactly which scene you were talking about, and it was also like you know, like I, you knew he was going to take off the helmet. You didn't necessarily know that it was going to turn into an elongated like, hey, let me chat with yeah. you without a helmet. Which yeah, was, that was the part that was really like gut wrenching. Like, oh my god, you're really going to go there? Um, I. I did at the same time the whole scene like I've got this really weird mixture of feelings going on with this 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 gut-wrenching moment in terms of oh god you're really going there and also why what the hell is the point of a system that scans your face but doesn't actually compare it to any kind of yeah. database <laughs> I thought about that too <laughs> and, it doesn't and, need to recognize you it just needs to make sure you have a face <laughs> and also like I I couldn't put out of my head like do you think that he's got a mustache because it's just too hard to shave while you're wearing mm-hmm, the helmet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think he does. Uh, no, I, I thought it was... I, I, I agree. I was totally with you on the security system, which makes zero sense to me. Um, but I enjoyed that he takes the helmet off. And it, it is... Jen, you're totally right. It's that point of like... This is the point of no return in some ways. It's the point, like you said, where he becomes a parent for real. Like he's been kind of playing at it at this point. Um, but it came down to like, you can discard your most deeply held belief or you can save your kid. And at the end of the day, he chose to save the kid. And I think that that says a lot about where he is now versus where he started at, you know, even earlier in the season or even at the beginning of the show, um, because nothing, nothing was more, more important to him up until now. And he finally found something that was. And I think that plays into the, the end of this episode a bit too, um, just showing that he is he is changing and evolving his beliefs because of this. Mm-hmm. Um, so as you said, we get this, <laughs> he gets the coordinates, but then we have this awkward scene where the, the officer comes over and starts quizzing him about his designation. Clearly, he doesn't know anything about Imperial Protocol. So he tries to say, like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm on the transport crew. And the officer is like, what are you talking about? Like, <laughs> I essentially asked for your serial number. Uh, and Mayfeld appears and bails him out by giving up some fake numbers, which, again, apparently nobody in this base knows well enough to know what the fake number sounds like, and uh, tries to cover for him by saying that his, uh, you know, his vessel lost pressure. You know, he's, he's got to speak up. There is a little Easter egg I caught there 
um, but only when I had the uh, the captions on because Mayfeld says his vessel lost pressure in, in he says Tanab, um, but the Battle of Tanab is something referenced by Lando in Return of the Jedi, uh, but I didn't catch it until I saw the spelling of it because Bill Burr pronounces it totally differently. Um, and then we get that fun moment where he's like, Oh, he can't hear well. What's your name? <laughs> and of course, he doesn't have a good answer for that either. The Mandalorian, not a guy you send in for like your your undercover spy stuff. Uh, and Mayfeld goes, ah, oh, we just call him Brown Eyes. <laughs> that was great. Uh, and he, uh, he says, let's go fill out those TPS reports, uh, which is an office space joke, which I did I was, not expect to hear in Star Wars. I was wondering if that was what it was. And I was like, yeah. I must just be really tired. <laughs> nope, nope. Uh, but the officer calls them back and insists, let's get a drink. And I don't know who this actor is, but he's great because he's got like that southern, southern drawl. Let's get a drink brown eyes <laughs> it's like okay <laughs> um fennec and kara outside and they're sort of divvying up who's gonna get to shoot what and then being like what is taking these guys so long <laughs> and of course they're sitting down having a drink with this officer who goes through a, a sort of a long elaborate thing about what to have a toast to and he asks mandalorian where he's from again mandalorian does not have an answer he's not prepared he's not done the reading um and Mayfeld suggests toasting Operation Cinder, uh, which is from the, I think I only knew about because it was mentioned in one of the video games in recent years, but I didn't really know the details. I just knew the name, but we sort of get a little bit more on it. Mayfeld was at a place called Burnin' Khan, and uh, where he, apparently he served, served under Hess, although as we now know, Hess does not remember him or recognize him. Um, and it, it becomes apparent that this was really an awful situation where uh, like a city was destroyed and entire people was wiped out. The Imperial division like all died. And this is where Mayfeld sort of has his like, like come to Jesus moment or something, right? Where he's like, this was bad. And he is having like trauma flashbacks essentially to everybody dying, like uh, in this operation that was a, a small sacrifice, according to the officer. Um, and my single favorite moment in this conversation was, you know, they're chatting and he says, you know, Mayfield says, and every they're all dead, essentially. And it cuts to Pedro Pascal and he looks at Mayfeld and just like his eyes go wide and he does this really short like head shake like, no, don't do this. <laughs> yeah, that was really good. That was really good. But it's like when you get like a Sox fan starting to talk down to a Yankees fan or back and forth. And you've got like, you've got like the Bruin at the table who's just like, oh, no, no, no. Right? Please, please, no. Like it really felt like I was at a family gathering. <laughs> not, not my family, but my in-laws maybe. But like where they're just like, you know, they've, they're just ready to go at it. And I was like, oh yeah, this feels familiar. <laughs> it's going to go poorly. <laughs> and, and I like that it's it's the, the shortness and the the very like containedness of the motion too is is evocative of, of when we see him do that kind of stuff in the armor. Because I feel like so much of his physicality and his acting are small movements um and it was kind of cool to see even when he's out of his armor and clearly like on his back foot right because he is not in his comfort zone he still has that same sort of taciturn uh physicality where it's just small movements and he's just like doing the little head shake i thought that was great um 
Mayfeld keeps sort of going on as this is like mounting and becoming much more like uh, a lot more pressure uh, on this whole situation. He talks about all the civilians who died defending their homes. Like, was this good for them? And uh, the officers saying, well, the New Republic is we, we won, essentially. Right. Like the New Republic is all in disarray and we're getting stronger. And now we've got all this explosive stuff and we're going to do worse. And then he goes into the people don't want freedom. They just want order. They're going to welcome us back with open arms. And then he toasts to the Empire. And Mayfeld is just really tied in on him there, right? Like, as he's, like, kind of thinking it through, but not really thinking, right? He's just, he's kind of a person at his breaking point. And then he shoots the guy. (laughs) And there's a nice moment of, like, silence almost after that happens, right? Like, Mando looks at him, and then there's, like, another stormtrooper who's got like his cafeteria tray and everything stops yeah Yeah. everything stops for a second and then it explodes right i love that move he sort of slides back from the table and he shoots the stormtrooper on one side and like all of a sudden hell breaks loose and they're shooting everybody this is one of those scenes where it was a good example of how this show can be extremely predictable but in a very satisfying way like Mm. i'm pretty sure that at that moment like right before he shot him Jen goes, oh, he's totally going to shoot him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, it, but yeah, but it delivered, right? Like it hits you right in the like, that's what I was, that's what I expected to see. And that's what I got. Right. Well, well, because uh, Mayfeld was never going to be like, a, like a good guy, right? Like mm-hmm, truly mm-hmm. good people don't end up taking part in genocide and whether they want to or not, right? Like they find a way to get out of it. Right. So he has all this baggage but the idea and he had and he believes that like everyone just wants order but the idea that you can only get order through even more like mass murder and the throwing away of like soldier lives was just it was just like that's enough i'm done <laughs> yeah yeah he had a breaking point i think it's 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 an interesting scene because it does show a guy who was clearly extremely traumatized by whatever happened to him and what he saw uh, and, you know, maybe not enough to have stood up to the hierarchy, but he got out too, right? Like he's an ex-imperial when we meet him. He didn't stick around. And so there was clearly, he had a line somewhere and we've, we've sort of figured out what it was. And it's, it's an interesting moment. And I, I think, you know, right after that, you know, they sort of shoot all the officers and you're again reminded that he was a sharpshooter, which apparently the imperial just needed more of because he can hit like, he literally shoots like seven guys. <laughs> And he hits them all. Um, and he hands Mando back his, the Stormtrooper helmet and says, you did what you had to do. I never saw your face. Which I also thought was fascinating because throughout this entire show, again, you know, he's he's developed all these close friends, these allies. Heck, the you know, Grogu, right? Like, none of those people have seen him without the helmet on, as far as we know. Mm-hmm. And the one person he reveals it to is this guy who's kind of nominally his enemy, and who who decides to rather again paradoxically treat him with respect and and like honor his wishes as far as like you know uh, not acknowledging that he broke his code and I thought that was a fascinating storytelling move. It was, but I really felt like a lot of that had to do with his statement of "You've got to do what you've got to do to sleep at night, right? You have to mm. you have to do what you need to do to do." Th- what works for you and he saw that this person's back was against the wall and his back had been against the wall so i felt like it was you were right and it felt but it also felt like that's what allowed him to start redeeming himself Mm. but i think Mm -hmm. grogu did see him without 
his helmet on a little bit because when they were at that planet where they brought him soup with the oh yeah he was he was lifting it up to eat so it may be that he has but i it's hard right. to but say. we haven't seen like the two of them in a scene where he no. has his helmet off no. which i think is again fascinating because they've developed such a close you know like a a father-son relationship and his son has never seen him his real face um but he never so saw they, any of the people that cared for him him his mm. real face after his parents were killed and he was rescued by mandalorian so he hadn't seen a person that he was close to his real face in like what like 30 years <laughs> yeah probably that was that was the way yeah um <laughs> apparently uh so they shoot their way out uh they kick out the window slat and start climbing out along the ledge and fennec and kara start picking off all the troopers um boba fett comes in in his ship uh as they sort of shoot all the people manning the cannons and the people chasing after them and they run along the roof and then jump onto the ship uh and as they're sort of flying away uh mayfeld asks for a rifle and he aims down at the uh, transports at the base and shoots one, essentially <laughs> blowing it up and then basically blowing up everything else as it sort of explodes in a chain reaction. Uh, and I like the reaction we get from Fennec and Kara, where Fennec's like, well, this is, hey, that was a nice shot. Like, I'm a, I'm a marksman. <laughs> I know a nice shot when I see it. And Kara just has this, huh, like <laughs> reaction, which I enjoyed. Uh, and uh, back on the ship... Yeah, uh, Mayfeld looks at Mando and says, again, we all need to sleep at night. Uh, and that's sort of, you know, compounding back to our, our redemption moment there where he's realized, like, I can't let anything like that happen again because it was just it was just so bad. And so, again, he's not necessarily a good guy, but he has started to shift himself from uh, from renegade to paragon. Can I say that, Jason? Absolutely. <laughs> At the risk of mixing my sci-fi franchises. I'm wearing my M7 sweatshirt, one. so. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, the TIE Fighters chase after them, and we get a, uh, a, a throwback moment to one of the only fun scenes from Attack of the Clones, where uh, Slave One drops this bomb uh, that has this wacky sonic bomb thing, uh, where it explodes and takes out uh, a couple of the TIE Fighters. And I think they just wanted to, to make that callback, because it was a cool effect. The sound design of that is really cool. That was really cool. We've seen that before. <laughs> yes, in a movie that doesn't exist. Oh, we, yeah. I mean, I did see them at the time. I really liked them, but then I forgot them entirely. So it's That's totally fine. Yeah, we missed that reference during that scene. I was just like, oh, I think that's an EMP. And then the ships fell apart. And it's like, it was not an it's EMP. Just a bomb. <laughs> yeah. Just a normal explosive bomb. Uh, they meet up, all meet up back uh, somewhere else on the planet. And uh, Mayfeld's kind of resigned to like, well, you know, I'm I'm heading back to prison. Uh, good luck at your kid back. And he like holds out his hands for the cuffs and everything. Uh, and they're like, you know, you, you shot that stuff back at the base. And I'm like, he's like, ah, it's just getting some stuff off my chest. <laughs> um, and Kara and the Mandalorian exchange a look and then have the, ah, it's, it's too bad Mayfeld didn't make it out alive back there. <laughs> Um, yeah, he's died in that refinery explosion. And I, he, Mayfeld's like a little awkward about this because I feel like he's worried they're just going to turn and shoot him now. Yeah, uh-huh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely. But I enjoy that he's like, you know, this guy who we've kind of assumed is somewhat hard-bitten. Like, well, the first time we meet him, he feels like a very, like, tough-as-nails bounty hunter guy, right? And this time he's very like, does this mean I can go? Like, because I will. <laughs> and again, the Mando gives him the little nod, and he's like, all right. 
off he goes. So I guess he's not dead. So I guess there's a good chance we'll see him some other time. That was that was a good example of how the show is predictable in satisfying ways, but also unpredictable from for just like what it needs to be. Because mm-hmm. like you know that they're gonna do the whole like, oh, too bad he died. I guess he's gonna go. Like at that point in the show, it's like, well, clearly they're not just gonna put him back in custody. They're just gonna pretend that he died. But he's not in on it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like everybody else there gets it the two of them get it the two of us sitting on the couch were like oh yeah but he's not in on it and that's what really just made it perfect yeah i agree i agree it's a nice mismatch that just like yeah the, the characters don't always understand the conventions of storytelling the way that we do exactly. <laughs> also he doesn't have a lot of friends that wouldn't stab him in the back true <laughs> right. great point yeah, yeah, that's kind of he. That's the rules he's used to playing by. So he expects to be treated the same way as someone you know who is. Let's all agree the spitting image of Mayfeld. I definitely know where he's coming. <laughs> I'm just relieved I finally have a character I can cosplay as easily. Uh, so they're trying to figure out what the next move is, and we cut to Gideon's cruiser where they've gotten a message, and it's the Mandalorian saying, "You have something I want," and he basically does the exact same speech to Moff Gideon that Moff Gideon did to him at the end of season one, throwing his words back in his fate. Uh, you don't know what you have. You know, he means more to me than you will ever know. And it takes on a very different feeling when you see the Mandalorian talking about it, because I think that ties into Jen's point from earlier that like at this point he has now become the dad, right? Like, and Moff Gideon can't understand that relationship like that. It's, this is this is my my kid you've taken and it's about to go down yeah i just i was wondering i was like is this for real though because it was so it was like the most stilted physical acting and dialogue we'd heard like someone Mm -hmm. had pieced together other things to make it that way it it struck Mm -hmm. me as weird yeah I mean, I think the part of it might be because he's, like, using Moff Gideon's words against him. It's not something that he would normally say, right? Like, you get the feeling that because he's trying to, like, throw that back in his face, he had to, like, write down. Like, oh, what did he say back in on Navarro last year? Hold on. I think I can, he had, like, cue cards, maybe? And then he had to deliver it as, like, a holographic FaceTime voicemail. Yeah, nobody likes that. Nobody looks good. No, that looks good with that. No, also, we both, I think, you correct me if I'm wrong, Jen, I think we both missed that reference, that callback to that earlier episode. Oh, yeah, like 100%. <laughs> I, I only got it. So on the first playthrough, I remembered that he said that he means more to me than you will ever know. And it was also in the clip package at the beginning, like they previously on. Mm. And then it wasn't until the second time through I realized, oh, it's it's the whole thing is verbatim, mm-hmm. like exactly what Gideon said to him before. Um, so yeah, it wasn't immediately apparent. Like I, I think I was only on my second watching that I caught like, oh, okay. I see what you're doing here. You're just trying to like tell him, you know, game recognize game. How yeah. does it feel to have enough time to watch an episode of television twice in rapid succession? <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel seen. Oh man. Uh, you know, it's, it's a luxury I afford myself for this, my primary method of earning income. <laughs> that, is, that is totally fair. That I have reread articles for work when I can focus it's on a my primary method of income. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so this episode was directed by Rick Fumuyua, um, who directed at least one episode in, um, season one, uh, and appeared briefly actually in the episode, uh, with Mayfeld in season one, which might have also been the one that he directed. Um, 
Yes, it was the one he directed last year. And he also cameoed in it as one of the X-Wing pilots at the end. Um, so he's done a bunch of other uh, movies and TV shows. I really, I've really enjoyed his, um, in the behind the scenes series on Disney+, Plus. I've really enjoyed his insights and the stuff that he talks about with directing it. Because I think he's got a really interesting perspective on this stuff. And I thought he did a great job with this episode. It really, like, it, it struck me again watching it like, even though they're half an hour, like they, they feel like movies, like because they're so well made, right? Like I saw in the promos for some of the other shows that they're doing, the Star Wars shows they're doing on Disney Plus, they talked about, they really like made a point of having behind the scenes people talking about like everything we do on these shows is the same level that we do it on the movies. Like it doesn't really matter whether it's a movie or a TV show for us. We're still working off the same processes. And I'm like, man, it must be nice to have that much money. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. Yeah. But it looks good, right? Like I mean, you look at this and you're like this this is like movie quality show. Mm-hmm. Well, it seems to be pretty successful even for people that are not as immersed in Star Wars or not as um attached to Star Wars, right? Um I mean, I think my parents are even talking about doing Disney Plus for a bit so then they can mm-hmm. watch it or catch up or what have you and it's like they don't they don't need it for other things, but that's how good it is. And they like Star Wars, but they're not. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, they're not giant fans. But. They're not, they're not huge fans. But the fact that it's like, oh yeah, we would, you know, do that just to see this is a pretty big deal. And they don't need it for, you know, Doc McStuffins or <laughs> any of the other things that you might need Disney Plus for. Doc McStuffins is excellent, by the way. I highly recommend okay. that. Yeah, good to know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did want to point out something else that I noticed. I think a little bit after I finished this episode. I believe this is the first episode of the entire show in which the child does not appear at all. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting because it is a show that has revolved very heavily around that character, right? Like, you know, Baby Yoda is clearly the breakout star of the show. And yet I felt like even though I love that, you know, I I love the character, I didn't necessarily miss him in this episode i wasn't like sitting there there the entire time being like when are they going to show baby yoda right well they really didn't do anything like the view somewhere else like they've definitely had episodes where there's you know you're only looking at the story from one point of view and they've had episodes where you've had like stories from multiple points and because this was so focused on this point of view till the very end it kind of wasn't it wasn't as missing but at the end it was a little bit like okay well we didn't see him at all is he okay? Mm-hmm. What's going mm-hmm. on? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was like, you felt his absence at times, mm-hmm. like when, whenever mm-hmm. his name came up, basically. Or, but it, it was interesting because I also felt like, like, like the phrase, I didn't miss him, occurred to me, too. And yet, at the same time, I feel like um, the, there have been other episodes where basically you know, we want to have this, this big, cool action scene fight. He's going to go on a job or whatever that job is. And so they've needed to have some kind of a scene where basically he foists the the kid off on a babysitter or group of babysitters or whatever. And this mm-hmm. episode didn't have that. Um, and it, I don't know. It, it almost made me feel like those other scenes were a little too easy. Uh, maybe that mm-hmm. sounds silly the way I'm phrasing it, but like, um, parenting, I don't know. 
maybe it's just the 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 feeling of being a parent during a pandemic and knowing just how hard it is to find a babysitter. <laughs> it, it, it just when when that comes up in those those episodes, it, it feels a little bit like really you're going to leave them there and then go shoot a bunch of people. Seriously, <laughs> must be real nice, Mandalorian. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it's interesting too because in some ways it shows you the kind of person he is and can be when he is not being forced to worry about the child. Mm -hmm. Like, and, and part of that is because even though the child isn't in this episode, he's still driving the action because it's, it's him that we're looking for. Mm -hmm. It's him that he's doing all of this for. And so I, I don't know. I, I've literally never seen the, the movie taken, but I kind of feel like there's that element of like Liam Neeson having his kid, uh, you know, kidnapped and like, now it's the Mandalorian and his very specific set of skills. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I thought it was interesting mainly because it, even in his absence, uh, it shows that the story can still be compelling, even though like even though he's also part of the story, without him being there, it can also still tell a compelling narrative. And I thought that was a... Uh, it shows the show growing a little bit to my mind. Like I, I've thought the same thing in, in earlier episodes this season where there have been longer sequences without the Mandalorian in it. Like in episode, I don't know, two or three weeks ago, the one with uh, Cara Dune and Grief Karga, where they have that long sequence where they're driving the like hover tank through the ravine, and there's like a, there's like solid ten minutes there where the Mandalorian is not on screen, which is I think the longest he's not on screen in the entire show. Um, and so I thought that again, that's interesting that they've showed like you know what, let's let's stretch ourselves a little bit and break some of the stuff that we've been doing so far and just see like. Are we, are we holding our viewers, right? Like, are we holding people's interests? And I thought they proved they could do that even without Baby Yoda on the screen. Yeah, All right. And I like when, that they, when they do that, it feels a little bit less like we're in an RPG where, like, Mando walks into a bar. I need information. Oh, here you go. And, like, off he goes on his quest. And it's right, like, right. It's like Not... they didn't have to figure out how to, like, make that hook and fit it in and make it quick. Right, right. There's no. He didn't have to find the guy with the exclamation point over his head. Exactly. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm not the only one thinking about RPGs when watching this show. <laughs> I blame you. Yeah. I mean, during, I that, mean, during that scene where they're you know beating the hell out of him in his crappy armor and stuff like that, and then he has to go in and basically be the the fighter in a social encounter. I was just like, oh man. Did, 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 did nobody tell this GM that you're not supposed to take away the hero's cool stuff? Wow. <laughs> He he did not put enough points in charisma. I mean, I think that's the real Clearly, problem. Clearly, like, oh yeah, let's just make a custom built situation for your dump stat. Yeah, min min max and gets into trouble. Yep. Um, all right, there's one episode left in the season. Hard as it is to believe. Uh, any any thought? Like, there've been a ton of like I feel like plot threads and ideas hung out there. You guys have any th theories or feelings? Like what you want to see or what you think you might see in that last episode? Where we're gonna go in the end of the season? I think that creepy doctor is gonna be back. The one with the glasses, mm -hmm. but that also mm -hmm. felt bad about everything, right? Because he was yeah. like, he had some he had some remorse, right? So yeah. I'm kind of hoping he's back because I think he could add some um, twists to it. Yeah, he was an interesting character, like because like his reaction was like, "Don't hurt the kid," right? Which was not yeah. what you expected from one of the bad guys, right? Yeah, uh, I think, and we, and well, I think there's a lot of speculation about what exactly Moff Gideon is doing mm -hmm. with the child. Like, we kind of have taken pieces away from it, right? Like, he's they're using the blood, they're getting the word that we're not going to say from the blood, um, and <laughs> using it for some purpose. Um, but it's unclear exactly what that purpose is. Moff Gideon has the Darksaber, which is like 
you know, is that a uh, thing we should understand? That got referenced a couple times <laughs> in the show. It definitely feels like a thing that I could know everything it is, about it if I looked it up on Wiki, Wikipedia. And I just somebody, yes. somebody was like, so, such and such dark saber. And I was like, what, what now? And then he's got this thing. And I'm like, it's like the lightsaber, but it's broken. So, so should I go like read something? Do I need to know more? Because I like that they don't really tell me anything and that I can I, still enjoy the show. I think you can get by not knowing anything. It's again, as Jason said, it's one of those things that if you want to learn everything about it, you definitely can. I mean, and I think it's part of the reason that uh, Kat and I have been watching Clone Wars again is because she was interested in like the history of it because Clone Wars and Rebels go into a lot about it. It is a, a significant object that pops up in both of those shows and there is some history with it. But I think that they are going in assuming that most people will not have seen those and they're just going to like you can get by with what if you all you know is it's a lightsaber that's broken you're gonna be fine that's great i really appreciate that about this show <laughs> no i agree i think it's i think they realize like we we can't assume right uh, you know speaking as a writer you can't assume that somebody's read like every single thing that you have written right like and you like you got to make some of these things kind of work on their own uh and you can throw stuff in for people who have been following all that but if you make it too opaque you're just going to lose people so i think they try as you said jen i think they do a nice job of like balancing that and making it feel like there's no you know there's no admission fee to get in here but if you want if after this if this excites you and you're interested and you got the time to go watch another show or two you can totally do that yeah so you think that they're just basically like we need a donor for force sensitive blood and we're just going to give it to some other character rather than cuz they specified like oh like somebody is, like this this the grogu's a donor for somebody in particular and we don't really mm. know who um does it feel like that'll be like a big reveal too like it's like oh sith yoda here we come <laughs> finally <laughs> right everyone's a big yoda i don't know how you would make that part yodith um yeah, I don't know. There's been a bunch of different speculation. And I think the question is how much they want to tie it into existing stuff, right? Like, because people have been like, oh, this is how we're going to get Snoke. And everyone's like, ah, do we need to? Um, <laughs> and, uh, or is it just that Moff Gideon wants to inject himself with it so he can be like a super cool Jedi guy? I don't know. Wasn't there someone that he was reporting to, though? Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Mm, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I, I think there was. It's unclear exactly what the chain of command. Like I thought he was the big bad, and then I thought there was something that indicated that maybe he was like working for the big bad. In a, in a previous episode, they yeah. go into like the the ship that's also a lab or something like that, mm-hmm, and there's a mm-hmm. recording of him being like, "Oh, we found you a donor," and the Mandalorian's like, "Oh, that dude's dead," and everyone else is like, "Dude's not dead," and he's like, "What?" So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I I don't know, but it, and we had like the uh, in the Ahsoka episode a couple weeks ago, they asked about Thrawn, who mm-hmm. is a, another possibility for a like maybe Moff Gideon works for or with him. Um, but since then, we've also learned that there's an Ahsoka spinoff coming, so maybe that's just her show. <laughs> it's kind of unclear, but I think we have to have another face off clearly with with Moff Gideon. Like that seems like directly where we're heading next week is Mando. You know, rounds up his friends, and we have a big. Uh, mission to somehow get get the child back. I just yeah, yeah I'm not sure what the what the oh, motivations of my they are. ended it like in a similar vein of like the heist episode from last season, which is maybe the best episode of television I've watched in a long time. <laughs> that was so good. <laughs> it's a possibility. Baby heist. Uh, that's my that's my hope that the nerdy okay, doctor will good. be there and it'll be a heist. 
Excellent. Those are good. And and then the other dangling thread we have is that did Baby Yoda talk to somebody when he was sitting on that rock? Like, is there is there a Jedi out there who's going to um, show yeah. up? So, like, well, some Jedi who was like, yeah, I agreed to teach this dude, so I'm going to just, hey. I've been on sabbatical. Did something yeah. happen? <laughs> I've been gone for 20 years. Is, is everything okay? Um, well, it's Luke's still alive at this time, right? He is, and there's some question of whether or not, you know, again, how closely do they want to tie into other stuff? Like, everyone will know who Luke Skywalker is if Luke Skywalker shows up, but also why is this never come up again? <laughs> like, right? Like why we, why did we have three more movies in which none of this played any relevance whatsoever? Yeah. Oh, we talk we'll about see. like the time that it sits in every week and every week I'm like, well, I don't really understand when this sits. So <laughs> <laughs> it's very confusing, but I don't know. I mean, but that's like, can he, t- can he tap into unofficial Jedi? Can he tap into like any, like it's, it's very confusing. Like mm-hmm. where was this temple he was stolen from? Are they still yeah. there? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. I think he said he was stolen from the temple on Coruscant, which is where the like everybody, all the Jedi hang out in the in the movies that didn't exist. That's where Anakin <sighs> killed all those kids, right? Yeah, so they took him basically from there so that Anakin couldn't kill him, I gather. Is uh, that like the time frame that we're talking about? We're man? about five years after Return of the Jedi. So five years after the original movies. Yeah. I need like a like a chart. There's a timeline <laughs> on Wikipedia. Knock yourself out. <laughs> okay, I might need that. Thank you. <laughs> all right. Well, I think that's uh, all we've got time for this week. I want to thank my guests, Jason Tashi, Genevieve Tashi. Thank you so much for being here. It's been super fun to chat with you guys. Thanks, Thanks for, for having, having us. us. <gasps> Jinx. <laughs> <laughs> listeners thank you so much for tuning in we i really appreciate all your support and uh your comments this season it's been a lot of fun i'll be back next week with a very special guest for my season finale and it sounds like there's a whole bunch more star wars to come so rest assured you haven't heard the last of me but until then this is the way